Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. It is absolutely awesome to be here with you today. Um, thank you so much to, to Jamie, to Stephen Beck as well for your leading us in worship today. That was, man, I, I don't know about you, but I just really felt kind of connected with the Lord as, as we're worshipping. And, and as, as we were engaged in worship, I must admit, I had a bit of a flashback to when we were first looking at planting greenhouse. And, and I remember, you know, going through all the logistics of what is this thing going to look like? What are we going to call this thing? And I'm pretty sure from memory, it was, it was Benjamin Mel that, um, that said, hey, we're, we're sensing the call to, to call this place Greenhouse. And you know, when you name a church, it's, particularly in this case, it's not just like a branding thing. Uh, it's not just a, a logo type thing. I actually believe that the very name Green has is actually prophetic. It's prophetic. And the reason I say that it's prophetic is, is my sense is that this is a space where people gather together and, and there's, a, there's a space where, where new, new life erupts. And certainly there's a whole lot of little kids. There's kids everywhere in this place. So there's obviously life erupting somehow. Um, but, um, but there's spiritual life that's erupting as well. And the, the sense I had as we're worshipping today is, is that, that life, you know how you, you've seen a greenhouse before, you know, the glass and all that sort of stuff. It creates a unique ecosystem, a unique atmosphere where there's growth. And the, and the atmosphere I was just sensing today as we worship, there's this, this atmosphere of worship and adoration of who Jesus is. And it's in that space as we adore Jesus, as he is lifted up in worship, and we go, yeah, there's life that's happening in this context. So I encourage you that prophetically, this, this is a, a place where new life just erupts. And in fact, uh, when Benj said to me today, hey, Craig, can you come along and can you, can you speak into, there's a particular passage I want you to speak into, it's in, it's in Luke 10, and if you've got a Bible handy or a device handy, uh, you, can, you can grab that now. And it's actually one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, because it speaks to greenhouse, it speaks to life. And in fact, what I want to do today is to bring you a word that hopefully might empower you more to see new life erupt here at Greenhouse as you connect into the community, as the ecosystem, as the environment of Greenhouse begins to permeate the area, the region around you. There's some stuff in here that I think God's going to say to us today that could empower you, that could give you an aha moment about what it means to partner with Him in this endeavor of bringing life to, to our community. I want to dive uh, right into uh, to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 today. And uh, as I said, this passage has been revolutionary to me. In Luke 10, 1, uh, um, uh, no, we don't have those up, do we? Don't, sorry. Uh, that's, oh, we do. Okay. Happy days. So it's up on the screen as well. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verse 1, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now, I want to pause it there for a moment. It starts, that, the verse 1 starts there, it says, after that. So the natural question is, what's the that that Jesus is referring to? Up until this point, Jesus has been doing most of the ministry stuff. 
Essentially, the model from uh, Luke 1 all the way through to about Luke 8 is that Jesus is doing the ministry and the 12 are following behind him, literally. In fact, there's an old saying in the Mishnah, which is part of kind of uh, commentary on the Old Testament that Hebrew people would, would look into. And it says, may you, be, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, as, you, as your rabbi, as your leader is walking along, might you be covered in their dust because of the proximity that you have as you follow your rabbi. And so up at, so all of Luke 1 through 8, you've got the disciples following Jesus, but Jesus is doing all the ministry stuff. And then in Luke 9, Jesus sends out the 12, the 12 disciples, Okay. So he sends them out, he sends them out with a very similar commissioning to what we're going to see here in uh, Luke 10, and then they come back again and kind of debrief on that experience because the Jesus, the way of Jesus is that Jesus models and then he empowers, okay? And then we do a bit of a debrief to see what we've been learning. And here in Luke 10, when Jesus says after that, here in Luke 10, Jesus is doing the same thing again, except this time with the 72, there's a bigger group of disciples as well. And in fact, as we're going to see, as you look at the commissioning that Jesus gives to these people, it's almost identical to what's happened back in, in Luke 9. Now, I want to, ju just at the outset, uh, there's a principle that we see here. In that being a disciple of Jesus means that you are a sent one, Okay? So as Jesus sends the 12 in Luke 9, as he sends the 72 in Luke 10, the principle here is that as a disciple of Jesus, like you and I, if we, if we identify Jesus as Lord, that we're disciples of His, that part of the deal is that we're not just sitting around waiting till Jesus comes again, or until we die and go to heaven. The deal here is that we are sent ones. In fact, in the, in the New Testament, the, the term the disciples really doesn't occur that much after the Gospels. Normally they're called the apostles. And you may be aware that the word apostoloi in Greek, it means to be sent. Okay? That part of our identity is those who are sent. So we enjoy what's happening here at Greenhouse on a Sunday, and that's epic, that's awesome. We love what's happening at dinner parties, that's great. But part of our DNA, DNA our spiritual DNA, is that we are sent once. We are sent ones into our community. But we read on, verse 2. Verse 2, he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. There's that idea about being a sent one again. To send out workers into the harvest. Now go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, a traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Now, to be honest with you, for years, I'd focused in on the really challenging bits of those verses. It's Jesus says there, you know what? The workers are few. Oh, there's not going to be many of us. It's going to be a tough gig. How are we going to raise up volunteers and leaders and other people to help us out here? This is going to be really hard. Then Jesus says later on, I'm going to send you out like lambs among wolves. Oh, it's going to be tough. People aren't going to like us. It's going to be really, really hard work and there's not that many of us to begin with. It's going to be terrible. And I found that when I focused on just those bits, that I ended up with a posture of poverty and paranoia. Okay? And I don't believe that's actually what we're called to, to adopt a posture of poverty and paranoia. Because the passage actually, the verse 2 actually starts with, you know what, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful 
that is out there. What does Jesus mean by harvest? Well, um, if you've had much to do with any, anything to do with agriculture, you would know that where there is a harvest, what is harvested is the seed. Okay? So uh, if you're harvesting fruit, there's seed within the fruit. If you're harvesting grains, there, there's, uh, what you're actually harvesting is, is the seed, the wheat. Uh, I was out at, um, out near Wagga earlier this year, and at that time around the Wagga, Gundagai, Juni area, uh, they were getting very close to the harvest time uh, for the canola. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen canola when it's almost ready to be harvested, but it's gorgeous. It's like a sea of this iridescent bright yellow. Like, I, I can't even begin to describe it. it. But as I'm driving along, I was preaching at Juni Baptist Church a few months ago. As I'm driving along there past these field after field, that is like glowing yellow. I think the harvest is ready. And, and, the, and I was talking to some of the farmers in the Juni Wagga area, and they're saying, yeah, yeah, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to harvest because we want to bring in the seed. And the seed is about life. The seed is life. Okay. The seed is the way that the wheat or the canola uh, is able to multiply. The seed in the lemon tree, I've got a lemon tree, my kids are sick of talking to me talking about my lemon tree because I love my lemon tree. It's like a, it's like a fourth child for me. Uh, I care for my lemon tree. I love my lemon tree. I make sure there's none of those horrible weeds around it. And I fertilize it and I water it and my lemon tree blesses me. Last year, I had so many lemons, I couldn't give enough away. I gave them away to people at work. I gave them away to my neighbors. This thing, it blesses me almost, as much as my kids, um, and, uh, but it, it, this thing's incredible, but there's seeds in the, lemon, in the lemons, right? There's seeds in there, that's what it's about. Now, let me ask you a question, okay, um, the, Jesus says that uh, flesh gives birth to flesh, but what gives birth to spirit? The spirit, the spirit gives birth to spirit, the spirit gives birth to life, and what Jesus is saying here when he says the harvest is plentiful, he's essentially saying, look, spirit has gone ahead of you and is welling up life within people already. So you're not going in cold turkey to people who have no preparation. The spirit's actually gone ahead of you and what you are going to see, the expectation you can have, what you're going to see is that God has gone ahead of you by His Spirit and life is already starting to erupt and all you are being asked to do is partner with Him in what He's already doing. It's not all up to you. In fact, for a lot of people I talk to, the whole idea of sharing faith, it's associated with trauma. Like, oh, this is terrible. I got a mate of mine, Tim, and he says, for your average Christian, the idea of sharing their faith is the equivalent of walking out on a gangplank over shark-infested waters while Jesus is on holiday in Bali. <laughs> it's trauma for most of us because we don't see the first bit, that the harvest is plentiful and we don't have a paradigm for understanding how to see the harvest. As I said to you, when I was out near Juni and Wagga, I could see the harvest. Why? Because my eyes were attuned. My eyes were ready to, to see it. It's the next verse that gives you the paradigm, the lens, for you to be able to see where the Spirit is already at work. Let's press on. Uh, it says there in verse 5, um, whatever house you enter, enter, rather, first say, peace to this household. If a person of peace, now if you're a person who underlines or highlights a Bible, underline that, okay? If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they offer, 
for the worker is worthy of their wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things set before you, heal the sick, tell them that the kingdom of God is near you. This is a game changer for me. This idea of a person of peace. They are people where God's spirit is already at work and the harvest is like welling up already. Life is already at play in that person's life. But what is it? How, do you, how do you see it? How do you perceive a person of peace? Well, they are someone, according to the text, who likes you, who listens to you, and who serves you. Let me unpack that a little bit. It says in the text there that when Jesus is sending out these 72, two by two, he says, you know, when you go somewhere, um, there's going to be some people who, who welcome you in. They like you for whatever reason. And there's going, to be, there's going to be people there who not only like you, they're going to listen to you. In the end of that passage there, it says, you're going to, you're going to tell them, hey, the kingdom of God has come near. And they're going, to, they're going to be attentive to that. That's a good sign. But the clincher for me, and this is the one that I struggle with the most, is that these people will not only like you and listen to you, they'll serve you. Now, that's weird to me. Because in church world, we're always raised to serve other people. Yeah? It's kind of what we do. It's part of the DNA of being the people of God. We serve others. But these people, because life is already erupting from them, because the Spirit is already at work in these people, they are already manifesting values of the kingdom. And they're going to actually want to serve you. And it will feel weird, but let them. Let them serve you because they're actually manifesting the values of the kingdom. They will also, just out of interest, they will probably also open their relational networks to you as well. They'll probably also do that. I might talk about that a little later. Let me give you some examples. Um, historic example. I got a, a mate of mine who I met at the school gates when my kids were little. Okay? And we were just two dads waiting at the school gates for our kids and we became mates. And, and, and as we became mates, it became apparent that this guy, for whatever reason, go figure, he liked me. And again, crazy, he listened to me. And we talk and talk, and we developed a relationship over a long time. Now, here was the thing for me that got my radar up that this guy could be a person of peace. When we were just, at, when we'd done our complete rebuild at Narara, okay, uh, we were just about to move in, and my friend owns a glass cleaning company, you know, windows, all that sort of stuff. And he called me up and he said, Craig, when do you guys have your big opening? I gave him the date. It was only a couple of weeks away, and he said, I'm going to send around a few of my boys, and we're going to clean every window in the church for free, because I really want it to look schmick on your opening day, mate. And I said, wow. Now, at that point, in the back of my mind, it's going bing, 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 person of peace, person of peace. And so I, I start talking with him, and uh, eventually he and I, you know, we have grabbed a lunch together, and it was a really special time where we had this deep conversation, and as we're going out to our cars... I felt this prompting of the Spirit in me. And I, said, I turned around to him and I said, Hey, mate, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Would you be interested? And he paused. He looked up at me and he said, Actually, yeah, I would love to do that. So we started reading the Scriptures together. Now, I, I must admit, in the, back in the day, I used to go through all these diagrams of how, with people how to come to know Jesus. These days, I keep it real simple. I go to Mark's Gospel and I read just a portion of the time with a person and together we, we look at the passage and I'll ask them, what do you sense the Bible saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Who are you going to tell? 
because I believe that the power, that the word of God is, is more powerful, you know, sharper than any two-edged sword and that sort of stuff. I actually believe that and I actually believe that God's spirit is at work. And so I let the spirit take the word and, uh, and, and you know, lead people to Jesus. Now, now, this mate of mine, all cards on table, he hasn't come to faith yet. I won't go into detail about it because it's still only fresh, but I had a very similar experience with my barber only a little while ago, a couple of months ago. And again, he's a person of peace, loves me, listens to me, serves me. He's paid to listen to me because I'm sitting in the chair, but that's okay. <laughs> but he loves me, listens to me, and serves me. And again, I said, and he, uh, again, I won't go into all details, but he'd actually a, a number of prophetic dreams. person who doesn't know Jesus yet had some prophetic dreams. I'm, this is blowing me away while I'm getting my hair cut. And, uh, and I said to him, mate, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with. Would you be interested? He said, actually, yeah, I'd love to do that. So we go down and meet in his barber shop before opening and down at Terrigal Haven and only about a month ago, he prayed to receive Jesus. We only got to Mark 3. Yeah, we got, yeah. We got to Mark 3. And it was a passage on, um, you know, when uh, Jesus calls Levi, the tax collector. And I, got, I asked the questions, you know, what do you sense the Bible saying to you? What's God saying to you? What are you going to do about it? Who are you going to tell? And he said, well, what I, what I sense the Bible saying to me is I want what Levi's got. So he prayed down at the Haven to receive Jesus. Okay, this week, this week, we have a, uh, a young lady uh, and she comes along to our place every fortnight. She's a cleaner. She comes along once a fortnight just to, you know, schmick up the house a little bit. Where, and whenever she's there, the cat freaks out. I, had a, I was, had a working from home day on Thursday. Cat, you know, freaks out. And so I go and find Cassie the cat because Cassie and I are like that. I never thought I'd say that about a cat, but Cassie and I, we're like that. I know, I've gone to the dark side. Um, but Cassie and I are real close. Anyway, I find where Cassie's hiding. I bring her into the study, close the door, and, um, and uh, you know, the, the, the cleaner eventually finishes. And she knocks on the door, and she said, I haven't seen your cat. And, and I think she was thinking that somehow she'd accidentally sucked it up in the vacuum cleaner or something. But uh, she said, I can't find your cat. And I said, it's all right, Cassie's in here with me. She was a bit freaked out, and so she's up, up on the table here while I work. And we started to get talking. And for whatever reason, the, the, this lady seemed to like me. And she was listening to me as well. And again, radar's up. Ooh, harvest is plentiful. This could be a person of peace. She starts telling me, and like, I'm, I just was initially just planning on going back to my work. She starts telling me about her partner and, and her, and, and how her partner had been in juvie a little while back, and, and how, uh, how in juvie he'd really started to engage with the Bible, there are some, some Christians or something doing some Bible studies there, and he's really interested. At the moment, this guy's got out of juvie a little while ago, and I said to her, statistically, people are more likely to come to faith in prison than they are outside. She said, oh, really? I said, yeah, 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 uh, which is true. And, uh, and I said to her, hey, if you and your partner are, are really kind of wanting to investigate faith in that, like, I'm looking for someone to read the Bible with at the moment, would you be interested? She said, Really? She said, I'd love to do it. I'm going to go talk to my partner. I'm going home. I'm going to talk to my partner. And we'd love, to, like, personally, I'd love to do that. It's not rocket science. It's not out on a gangplank over shark-infested waters while Jesus is on holiday in Bali. The harvest is actually plentiful. Like, Jesus was serious when he said this. But he said, the filter to look through is, okay, who are the people of peace in my world? Who are the people who like me, listen to me, and serve me? Go there. Now, does that mean you ignore everyone else? No. We love and serve everyone. But we invest. We invest in the people of peace. Why? Because Jesus is already at work there. 
Jesus is already at work there. So I know, I'm aware of time and that sort of stuff. We've got another service rocking in a little while. Um, but the question that I want to leave you with today, Greenhouse, is as you are a greenhouse, an ecosystem of growth and of multiplication, I want you to think, in your relational world, who are the people of peace in your world? They're there, I would almost guarantee. Who are the people of peace in your world? People who like you for whatever reason. Go figure. They listen to you and they serve you. As I said, I said I might touch on the relational networks. They will open their relational networks. I got a text message two days ago from my mate who owns a cleaning company who you know, said, we'll clean all the, all the windows at Narara for you before you're opening Sunday. I got a text from him about two or three days ago inviting me to his staff Christmas party. I don't work for his company, but he puts on this massive staff Christmas party every year. He spends like 20K on this Christmas party. It's epic. It's awesome. And he said love you to come to the staff Christmas party just to hang out. What's he doing? He's opening relational networks to me there. And he said, oh, I'm really, really keen for you to come, mate. That'd be epic. So my question to you is, who are the people of peace in your world? Who are the people that like you, listen to you, serve you, and in time will probably open their relational networks to you? Friends, this ain't rocket science, and it's not getting out in the gangplank. God's gone ahead of you already. He really has. And I'm finding in Australia that the harvest is increasingly ready. Yeah? Is that okay? Is that something we can do? All right. Let me pray for us, and then I'll throw it back to the worship team, I think. Oh, God, I thank you so much for what you're doing here at Greenhouse. I thank you that this is an ecosystem of growth and of movement. And, uh, Lord, I pray blessing over them. I pray that you would give everyone here great discernment on who the people of peace are in their world. And we ask that you would be glorified in all this in Jesus' name. Amen.